This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Diego ready to go with the first pitch on its way. Swing and a line drive left side of the infield. Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. And they're on their way to the American League Championship Series as they knock off the New York Yankees 2-1. to Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Just a swing and a drive. Hit well in the air towards right. Mookie Betts going back to the wall. Gone! A first-inning homer for Randy Arozarena, number 10 of the postseason. It's one nothing Rays. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good afternoon, happy Mother's Day, and welcome to the show. We'll hear from Mike Zanino today about his wife Alyssa and his success on the field. We've got Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun on the week gone by. Prospect Simon Rosenblum Larson will discuss his work with more than baseball, plus great Mother's Day discussions with Marissa Kiermeyer and Giovanna Rodriguez of Baseball Operations. Well, we continue on this weekend race baseball on this Mother's Day, and joining us right now, a guy who has uh, certainly been an anchor for this race team. Uh, behind the plate and working with his tremendous pitching staff, and that is Mike Zanino. Mike, thanks very much for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me. Tell me what Mother's Day means to you and what it meant first in your house when you were a kid. Usually growing up, you know, playing travel ball and stuff, we were always on the road. So uh, it, it was something that was, uh, you know, celebrated, but, uh, you know, we were always busy. And uh, I think that just sort of sums up, you know, the life of, of moms, and especially moms of young boys that are in sports. You know, it's all come tenfold now, you know, having two kids of our own, you know, seeing what my wife does on a daily basis with our kids. You know, I'm so blessed and grateful because without her, I would not be able to uh, live this dream out. So it, it's awesome. I'm so blessed to have my, my wife and she's such a great mom. And uh, it definitely comes tenfold uh, the older you get and watching your kids grow. Tell me uh, what kind of mom Alyssa is in terms of being with the kids and the responsibilities she has to take on. Obviously, I would assume that you celebrate Monday's an off day. You get to you get to celebrate Mother's Day a day late. Yep. Oh, she's an amazing mom. You know that that's the biggest thing. Uh, you know we have two kids, eleven months apart. Uh, it can be a little testing. You know uh, her, her patience never wavers. It's amazing uh, the love she shows our two kids, and to be able to hold the house down uh, by herself for week stretches at a time uh, never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, you know, get back, have Monday as an off day, uh, celebrate it a day late. You know that that's the goal now. Is uh, been on this road trip trying to get some stuff situated so she can have a good Mother's Day and hopefully get treated how how she deserves. And and your mom, for people who don't know, your dad you know has has lived in baseball but your mom was quite the athlete too in softball yes yeah she played for the italian national team where she caught too so uh the the roots run on on both sides with, with my parents so who got you into catching i mean because that's not a position that kids gravitate to as as a youth you know what i, I sort of threw myself back there we had a kid when i was in little league that he was 12 i think i was 10 and he, he just threw really hard and you know some guys had trouble catching him and i said hey, well heck i'll try it ever since that day i've been hooked with the position enjoy 
everything that comes with it. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you, where you stumble upon just like most things and uh, ended up working for the better. When did you think you were going to be a, a guy who could make this your profession, especially behind the plate? Probably college. You know, I, I think I had hopes and, and aspirations in high school, but until playing the competition that, that I did at, at Florida, just week in and week out and realize that you can compete against those guys, that, that was probably when I really realized that I could have a chance of, you know, hopefully playing this into, in, into a longer career. How it's worked out thus far, I could have never envisioned. You know, I'm very uh, blessed with the years I've been able to play in the major leagues. You know, ho- hopefully we can continue that, but probably probably college. And is that where you met Alyssa? I know you guys got what married during your what after your junior year. Yeah, we actually met in high school. We've been we've been together since our sophomore year of high school. So uh, you know, did that. Uh, she went to play uh, soccer in college. Fortunately, tore ACL for the second time, and then. You know, we were together a couple years in college, and then after that, she's been uh, been able to travel with me across the country in this in this crazy lifestyle. How much does that help that she was a former athlete to you know for for you to be able to let's say when you're going through either good stretches or bad stretches? Uh, it helps a lot. I mean, uh, she's probably the most competitive person I know, so it, it makes it one of those things where well, when it comes to having this as a profession, you know, she's she's she always has my back with that. But uh, you know, seeing what she's gone through, she's had two ACL replacements. And, and another surgery to to fix some damage to her knee. So I mean, to see what she's gone through and, and persevered through has really sort of enlightened me, understanding what the sacrifices are that come with playing this game and any sports in general. And as you mentioned, you know, she's handling two kids less than a year apart. When you see your two uh, kids, Rhett and Paisley, who reminds you of whom at this point? I know it's still early. Oh man, I think Paisley's got you know a lot of her mom in her. She's uh, she's very sweet, but she's also got a side to her where she's competitive. She wants to keep up with her brother she doesn't really settle for anything and that's you know that's one of the qualities that I love about my wife is that she's always she's always willing to step up to a challenge and Paisley having an 11 month uh, older brother definitely has to hold her own you know I think one of the touching moments was it was right after I think your your first child was born you hit that home run um, and you you uh, signed to your wife uh, over over the video camera Um, how when did that start and and is that something you still do even? Yeah, that started um, probably once I got into pro ball, once I got into the, the major leagues. You know, I started doing that. I've done it after every home run. Um, it's sort of become bigger in some instances. But uh, yeah, it's something I've done that, you know, it's it's something where, you know, through the ups and downs, you know, she's always had, you know, my back in it. And it's something that I can do that. It's something that goes more so than my successes. It's definitely both of ours. How'd you learn sign language? And how much more do you know beyond I love you? <laughs> the funny part is Alyssa actually took sign language in high school. So when we were dating, she would teach me some stuff. It was something that we would always talk about. And she would teach me stuff. I know very little <laughs> besides the few things she's taught me, maybe some of the alphabet and some very generic signs, but I have, I have not learned more than that. Well, you've got the most important phrase down. That's the most important thing as we chat with Mike Zanino on this week in race baseball. I made sure I learned that one and remembered it. <laughs> good for you. Hey, you seem to be this year um, on the field in a pretty good place. Do you feel like you're in a good place physically, mentally right now? Yeah. It's one of those things where, Obviously, going through postseason, having a little bit of success of, I think it was really just timing. You know, I spent a lot of two off seasons ago working with motor and trying to, you know, simplify some stuff, understand my mechanics and my load a little bit more, you know, and it was the results were an immediate in 2020. I came off the IL and, and it, things started to feel better come the playoffs. And uh, I was able to maintain 
uh, aspects of my swing that I wanted to and having some success. I'll, I mean, success is the biggest indicator. Uh, you can't chase it, but I mean, it, it does give you feedback and uh, being able to do that, then go into the off season, knowing that, you know, you can compete at the highest level against the best arms and, you know, you don't have to go remake a swing or remake, you know, a bunch of mechanical changes was relieving for me. So I was able to uh, concentrate more on that, you know, change my, my off-season routine in the sense of I wanted to try to gain some more flexibility. The older I get, I feel like I, the less strength training I, I need to do. I'd rather get flexibility, try to keep myself healthy and on the field. And those two have correlated into me feeling pretty good uh, this time of year. So what do you do? What did you do? A lot of yoga, Pilates? What you do? Yeah, a lot of a lot of hip stretching. So whether it was yoga or just stretches and stuff that I've done from previous injuries to sort of, you know, activate certain muscles that could, um, you know, overcompensate. You know, when I'm catching, I become very quad dominant. So real, really trying to, you know, make sure my glutes, make sure my hamstrings are activated to take some pressure off of that. Because either when it comes to the hitting mechanics, just overall health, once certain muscles take over, put a lot of stress on other parts of my body. So understanding that, understanding that, you know, the workload that I get in the seasons a lot and just being able to maintain what strength I do have, but then also the mobility was, was my biggest goal. You touch on workload. Um, so far, it seems that you and Francisco Mejia have really shared the workload. Nobody's catching three, four days in a row very often. Usually it's one or two at a time. How much do you think that's helping and how much do you think that will help going forward as we go from 60 to 162? I definitely think it'll keep us both fresher, hopefully on the field, you know, being able to do that. And especially this early time in the season, this is the time where, you know, we can build build off spring training and build with, uh, you know, relationships with pitchers. So to be able to go every other day or, or two and two or, or however the schedule may dictate, you know, it gives us an opportunity to get on the same page as the pitchers and be able to get going. So you know, when we hit the summer and we hit the end of the season, you know, hopefully we're truly hitting our strides as a team and, and catchers and pitchers as a whole. We don't get to talk about it much, but what has Paul Hoover meant to you? He's the, you know, the catching coordinator. He's the guy who works with the two of you the most. I mean, for me, uh, I truly didn't have a catching guy over in Seattle uh, that was there day in and day out. So to be able to have somebody that I can either throw ideas out to or tell him, hey, this isn't feeling quite right, or a lot of the times he catches it before I even notice it, you know, just to be able to keep us, you know, game ready, uh, you know, sharp and, and able to go because whether it comes to framing or blocking or any any aspects of this game, any little thing at the catching position can alter the game, whether you, you may get a strike that wasn't a strike and it alters the count, or maybe you make a big block with a runner on third base. Being locked in and comfortable is a huge aspect of that, and he does a great job with with Frankie and myself. And uh, over the last few years, our relationship has just grown ex exponentially. And, and the trust is is beyond that to be able to uh, elevate my game. You mentioned that you didn't have a, a dedicated guy to catching. And not only do you have that, but you have three guys on the staff that were former catchers with uh, Matt Quattrero and also Kevin Cash. Uh, do they kind of let who, you know, just do his thing? Or do you have three guys that you can bounce stuff off of at any point? Yeah, I think that's what the great part about this organization is, is, you know, they let guys do their job, you know, and, and it gives a sense of freedom for it. But it is, there are conversations had with all those guys. And I think, you know, that's just sort of catchers having conversations. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, we see the game from a very different aspect as the game's changing and as analytics become involved a little bit. You know, those are things that, 
I'm looking forward to learning from how they're looking at it because I ultimately want to be an extension of, you know, the manager, the pitching coach, sort of understand the direction the game's going, you know, so I can either call pitches or, or direct the pitcher the best way I can to get out of the jam or through an inning. I think that catching for the Rays may be the most difficult catching job in the league. Do you agree? And if so, why? I don't think it's the most difficult. I mean, we have, we have a, when you talk about having, you know, Kyle Snyder and, and Stan and, and Paul and all these guys, the communication's great. And, and I think as guys and pitchers mature, the days of just seeing some errant balls in the dirt and stuff are, are gone. There's, there's some times where it's there, but uh, it's become easier understanding how the opener and all this stuff works, you know, in my first year or two uh, has given me an understanding. So maybe I'm just a little bit more used to it, but in my sense, it's been pretty easy. And, you know, I enjoy catching the staff and and that's the one thing this organization does is put great arms on the mound. Well, that's the only reason I say that is there have been more than 20 pitchers already and they all have different kinds of stuff. And because they use so many different pitchers, sometimes in a game, whether it's two guys piggybacking, opener, you know, a regular start, a bulk guy, you've got a lot to absorb mentally and you really have to be locked in all the time. Yeah, it's a fun challenge. You know, it's one of those things where I think, you know, obviously being in my third year, it, it brings a little bit of ease to it. I understand, you know, whether it's certain analytics or certain traits or whatever it is. Early on, it was a big learning curve. And, and I still try to ask a lot of questions because the more I can learn and the more on the same page I can be with these guys, uh, it makes it just a little bit easier to understand, communicate, and then actually call a game. You've had some really good moments with this organization. They've been to the postseason twice. They've been to the World Series. What are your favorite moments and why? I think just as a collective whole, I mean, being able to win game seven and make it to the World Series. We had a talk with Cashy before the season started in 2020 and said, People can say it's either the easiest year to make it to the playoffs because we're expanding the playoffs and stuff, or it could be a harder year because more teams are going to get in and who knows what this season is going to hold. I think it was definitely more the second. You know, it was very challenging, uh, but to see the adversity that we overcame as a team, playing the teams that we did, playing New York and Houston to get to the World Series, you know, going through a quarantine, going through a bubble, you know, isolating with with players and their families and, and just trying to get through the unknown was insane, but to be able to reach that ultimate goal in such a crazy year is is by far the coolest thing I've ever done in baseball. And personally, oh man, I mean, there's there's a lot. I mean, I I think you know just being able to help the team in any way I could during that stretch. It's it's a team where there's a lot of unsung heroes, uh, but just being able to come in playing day in day out and just sort of absorb what the energy this youthful group brings and being able to play competitive baseball has been has been so much fun and really bring a joy to me playing this game. Well, we hope there's many more moments this year for this group. We certainly appreciate some time. Enjoy uh, Mother's Day tomorrow with Alyssa and the kids. Awesome. Will do. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me. That's Mike Zanino, and we'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball. Let's look at the week on by with Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun. And B.A., uh, first of all, anyone you want to say happy Mother's Day to? Uh, yeah, I'd like to say happy Mother's Day to uh, my wife, Jessica. Um, have, she's a wonderful mother. My mother, of course, had to put up with me. She had to be a wonderful mother. And to all the other mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. We couldn't have done it without you. Uh, well said. Uh, and for the race today, this ends a stretch of 30 games in 31 days. What has impressed you about this group and the way they've handled it? Because they're going to end up over 500 as they come home. Well, really, Neil, it's the resiliency of of this group. Coming right out of the gate like they did and having this stretch of 30 
games in 31 days, that's difficult for any team. Then when you factor in the injuries to the pitching staff and the way that the Rays have had to kind of dance around with their roster, you know, they're closing in on 40 players already used this season. So with all of the new faces, basically having to rebuild the bullpen in full through the month of April to be able to, you know, get on a nice little run here, play well on the road, especially the last couple of road trips, it's it's been impressive. And you, you're, you're starting to feel that this team is hitting its stride. You know, the pitching staff, a little shaky out of the gate, but they've started to hone things down. And I think that once that pitching staff gets itself into gear, the defense has been outstanding. And if the hitting can pick it up just a little bit, and you don't have to do much more, just be a little bit more opportunistic. You know, this is a team that has really struggled with runners in scoring position, no question about it, but they're giving themselves chances. And, you know, last time I checked, they were last in Major League Baseball, batting average with runners in scoring position, but they were in the top five with – at bats with runners in scoring position. So they're giving themselves the chances. If they can come through just even a little bit more, they're going to make it a lot easier on themselves. Certainly will. Um, and you mentioned the pitching staff coming together. And today, uh, a treat on this Sunday to see Shane McClanahan, probably Luis Patino, both pitch on the same day. What's impressed you most about each of those two? Well, first of all, Shane McClanahan, it's his stuff coming up and being able to hit triple digits as often as he has. And granted, there's a lot of adrenaline in his first couple of, of uh, you know appearances in the big leagues during the regular season. Uh, pretty amazing that this kid, his uh, you know debut in the majors was in the postseason. You talk about uh, you know coming into some high pressure situations, but all that to say that the the stuff, the 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 velocity, the run, the slider is filth. I, I mean, you, to throw it like he does, anywhere from 90, and I think we've seen it get to 93 miles an hour with the tilt, the late break at that velocity is really impressive, but he's been able to keep his pitches in the strike zone. I think a lot of times when you see young pitchers with that kind of stuff, they walk a lot of guys. They're behind in the count a lot, and they're just not as effective. Even though they've got great stuff, they don't pitch from out in front, so they don't get the results. He's been able to take that quality stuff and pound the zone, and I think that that's what has been most impressive for me, um, even outside of his stuff, is his willingness to attack hitters in the strike zone and trust that that stuff is going to be able to to get the job done, and, and we've seen him do just that. And Patino, same kind of thing. You know, he's he has great mound presence. You know, he, he works a, in the zone attacking hitters once again I think that's the thing with these Rays uh, that they're young pitchers is by the time that they are brought to the big leagues they've been instilled with a belief that hey you belong here your stuff plays here attack the zone don't pitch around the fringes attack the strike zone and go right after these hitters that's why you're here and I think that that's what you're seeing and so to see those two guys maybe uh, you know piggyback once again uh, it's a treat because you got two young power pitchers left side, right side, that cannot be easy on that opposing lineup. And on the flip side of this, with the young guys looking so good, you've got two veterans who really have pitched well lately. Rich Hill, who did his job Friday, and Colin McHugh was an opener against the Angels. That was the best we've seen him. Colin McHugh had that player that looked like a, a you know a fighter jet dive bombing you know in a battle in the air. I mean, it was just incredible the way that he was able to go out. Um, you know, the way that he put away Mike Trout on that pitch. Uh, the way that he put Otani away on that pitch. He's throwing it to lefties. He's throwing it to righties. And again, he looked like a new guy. You're absolutely right. You know, earlier in the season, getting hit around a little bit, especially early in counts, guys were attacking him and having a lot of success but he came out against that angel lineup and you know when he was done after his two innings you know you're kind of like well could you give us another one I mean that was fun to watch he went right out there filled up the zone 
uh, but the slider really stood out. It was sharp. It was late, um, had good depth to it, a little bit of sweep. And so, boy, if he can continue to throw the ball like that, you know, he's one of those guys. I, I heard Kevin Cash talking a couple days ago, and he was saying, you know, we got a lot of guys on our staff and even, you know, in AAA, alternate site, whatever it may be, that can give us that two to four innings. They can be very versatile type guys. And Colin McHugh is one of those guys. And he want to open with him, that's fine. If he could be a bulk guy from time to time to give a guy a rest, he could do that too. So that versatility plays very well, and you're very encouraged on, uh, you know, how he looked last time out. Oh, and Rich Hill, gosh, yeah, Rich Hill, his, uh, you know, his starts against Oakland. I mean, you know, the thing that you love about him, he is a, you know, listen, not to say that not all of these guys on the team are, are tough competitors, but he he kind of wears his uh, competitiveness on his sleeve, if you will. I mean, he never lets you wonder where he stands when he's out there on the mound and how he's feeling. You know, the last three outings, two of which were real starts, you know, where he was able to go deeper into the game. The other one was a tandem with Waka, but he's looked really good. You know, attacking the zone. He, you know, his fastball velocity, 89, it's going to sit at right around there, but he gets pretty good rise out of that pitch and it plays well with the curveball because the curveball gets such depth, you know, he get, it gets good sweep. It, it's like the left-handed version of the Charlie Morton curveball. And so when he's able to do that, uh, and he relied heavily on that in, in his last start, you know, against Oakland, unfortunately, the, uh, the second time against that Oakland team that the offense was not able to pick him up, but he was really good with the fastball curveball. And then if he does need to go to the third pitch, all of a sudden here comes the cutter. So he's got another weapon he can come at you with and has shown the ability, I think, you know, his last whatever it was now, I guess uh, 12, 15 innings, he's given up you know, two, three earned runs, uh, starting to settle in quite well and, you know, attack the zone. So his numbers overall, a little misleading by the way that he's thrown the ball his last three outings. And lastly, to have Pete Fairbanks throw the way he did on Friday has to be really encouraging, especially when you get Diego back. Yeah, and you know, that that's the unfortunate thing. And, and, and at some point, they'll be able to pitch together. But here comes Pete Fairbanks, and we're hearing, hey, he could be back earlier than June. He's progressing well. And here he comes, and Diego Castillo to the IL. So you're like, well, doggone it. But I guess, you know, listen, Kevin Cash has been able to make it work thus far with just one of the big original horses coming out of spring training. So I guess he can do it again. From what you saw from Pete Fairbanks, you saw that explosive fastball in the upper 90s once again. But his slider, especially early in his outing, he was struggling with the fastball command. But the slider, he was better with that pitch throwing strikes. And the thing about it is, I mean, maybe it's just been a while since I've seen Pete Fairbanks pitch, but it felt like that breaking ball had like curveball depth to it. I mean, coming over the top, down hill it was just tight threw it hard had big depth and you know just uh, an impressive two-pitch repertoire right there that that he showed the other night and so yeah to, to have him back and you know another one of those I don't want to say he was a reclamation project but when he came to the Rays I don't think a lot of people knew who he was and they certainly do now yeah good stuff have a good call today and hopefully a, a good finish to a successful road trip yes outstanding and you know what for even for us uh, Neil 30 and 31 days we're going to get an off day tomorrow Enjoy it. And that's Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun. Let's pause for station identification on the Race Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, W237CW Pendellis Park, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and iHeart Radio Station. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball, and joining us now to take a look at things on the minor league side is a Montgomery reliever Simon Rosenblum Larson who also is doing a whole lot of work for minor leaguers in general. Simon, we appreciate a few minutes. Neil, thanks for having me. First of all, what does it mean to be back playing baseball games? I know how tough it had to be for you and every one of the other minor league players out there last year. 
it's awesome. I mean, I just, you know, we all feel really lucky to be able to have a season this year. I mean, I know we're not out of the woods yet as a country, but to be able to get back on the field, even spring training is like, we all were like kids at a playground for the first time. I mean, we were all so excited to be out there and, you know, being able to play meaningful baseball games and play under the lights and, you know, start seeing fans in the stands again is just an awesome feeling. How did you feel physically um, this spring? Because I'm sure it had to be, whether you're a starter or reliever, you've gone a year without true competition. For me, it was a little bit extra on top of that. I had back surgery in November. So Hmm. I was coming back from um, a microdiscectomy in my back. And so, you know, I think there was definitely rust for everybody, but I think in my personal case, it was rust plus, you know, rehabbing from a surgery, which is never any fun, but it's something we've done all our lives. It's like riding a bike and you might, you know, you might forget it for a little while, but as soon as you start moving again, you're going to remember pretty quickly and everything's going to fall back into place. And I think, you know, most guys have the same experience this spring. What led to the back surgery? Was it something you were doing during the pandemic or was this kind of a recurring issue and you just finally decided, okay, it's time? I had had some back issues since college and there was a you know a moment where it got a little bit worse. It has never really, it never really went away before that, but it got worse uh, over the summer and it was a good time to get it addressed because obviously we weren't playing competitive baseball, so. How do you feel now? Great, 100%. I mean, 110% probably because, <laughs> you know, it's my adrenaline is gonna spike, you know, every time I step on the mound and back is 100% healed, so. For you, as you're kind of a unique reliever um, in terms of your delivery, the way you pitch, give us a feel. The Rays have always been good about finding guys who all look different within a bullpen. Have you gotten a feel for who your your, your teammates this early in the year and the uniqueness compared to the others? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody in the Rays organization is unique in some way, right? The Rays don't draft cookie-cutter players, and they don't develop cookie-cutter players even if they draft a cookie-cutter player. So... Yeah, I mean, everybody at every level, I think, is they do something unique. And particularly, you know, in Montgomery and then looking at the Durham roster, too, like the guy on that list has something that is totally elite about them. They do one thing incredibly well or they do a lot of things really, really well. And, you know, I'm just I mean, again, I'll say this over and over again, but I'm just excited to sort of see how the season goes, see how guys have developed in the, you know, in the downtime and, you know, Obviously, I love being part of a system that does things the way the Rays do, but seeing a bunch of guys that all do something different and watching hitters try to survive against that is, it's a joy to watch as a pitcher, for sure. And I want to touch on what you're doing unique off the field in a second, but on the field, what makes you unique, do you think, What from the data? <laughs> uh, I mean, I do a whole lot of different stuff. I, you know, my delivery is a bunch of arms and legs coming at you, and it comes out of a weird slot. I throw a fastball with carry from a really low slot, which is something else that's pretty weird. I throw a big sweeping slider um, that, you know, catches hitters off guard, I like to think. So, you know, personally, if you watch me throw, you'll see pretty quickly what I do that's weird. But yeah, just uniqueness in the delivery, uniqueness with the stuff. And um, so far it's worked out for me. It has, and while that all that's going on, you've been doing a lot of work through the pandemic, helping a lot of minor league players out, some who are playing right now, some who are not playing right now. How did your work with More Than Baseball start? I know we've profiled it before, and how has it progressed over the last several months? Yeah, I mean, started in 2018. I first got in pro ball, um, got to talking with some guys uh, who were out of the game at the time, and we all sort of saw some things in pro baseball that could be fixed. 
So at the minor league level, um, there's a few things. It's housing. It's, you know, finding a job in the offseason. It's finding a place to train in the offseason. It's, you know, being able to afford to live and to, to, uh, to play the game that we love. Um, cause you know, as many listeners might know, it's, it's not a luxurious lifestyle in the minor leagues by any means. As an organization, we, we started as a support system for minor league players, doing everything we could to sort of build these networks to help guys off the field and help guys perform better on the field. Um, and as we've grown, I think, you know, we've seen a development in the game where, you know, teams have decided to, uh, to pay players a little bit more this year. So we've seen a pay increase at every level, but we've still seen a number of players, you know, they're struggling to make ends meet in the off season. They were struggling to make, it, make ends meet in the pandemic. And so in the course of 2020 to 2021, we've raised 1.2, $1.3 million for minor league players. We've distributed it as financial aid via grants based on need. Um, so we've seen almost 1500 players receive grants. Um, we've launched some released player initiatives because we've seen a sort of a wave of released players given the minor league contraction in 2020 and 2021. Um, so we've put together resources such as, you know, career transitioning, uh, education options, mental health options for players, all the sort of things that we feel like and players themselves feel like we'll get them back on their feet, uh, whether they want to continue playing baseball or whether they want to explore sort of new pathways in their life, in their post-career lives. And all these programs and all of our resources are available to both current and former players. Um, but right now we're focused really intensively on, on providing services to release players because there's such a big cohort of them this year. So we've been working with some MLB teams, we've been working with some agencies, and we've been working with our network of players to make sure that everybody has access to these services that we're providing. Simon, that's got to be incredibly rewarding work too. What's been most touching about the reaction you've received from players who've been helped? You know, I mean, every day it's a different story. I could tell, you know, a hundred of them, but I think just generally the players that are, they've put everything in their lives into this stream, be it whether they're from Venezuela, whether they're from the United States, whether they're from Canada, whether they're from the Dominican Republic, all over the world, guys are investing literally tens of thousands of hours of their lives to try to pursue this dream. And sometimes that becomes untenable. And for us to be able to sort of support a player, provide that little bit of a crutch to the player who really needs it, to be able to continue working, to be able to continue, you know, uh, developing as a ball player. All of that feels good, especially as a, as a player who, you know, I've had my own advantages in my career. Um, I've had a supportive family. Um, I've had a community of people around me that have been able to help me out. And so I was one of the lucky ones, but a majority of minor league players are not that way. Um, and so to be able to do what I can to give back to the game is really meaningful. And especially to see guys now as they get back onto the field, the guys that I've been talking to for six, eight, ten months that we've been trying to help out during the offseason, that we've been trying to help in or an offseason job, all the fruits of that labor are now about to pay off, you know, in this in this 2021 season. And so I have a really close relationship with a lot of the players that we work with, and I'm just excited to watch guys get back on the field. And for those who are not on the field, watch them, you know, make the next step in their lives and, and have a successful future off the field. We may have fans listening who want to help in some way. How can they go about doing so? Obviously, you've had major league players help support this cause. Yeah, we've had you know a number of major league players, but anybody who is interested in supporting can visit morethanbaseball.org. It's you know morethanbaseball.org. There's a donation page on that site, but there's also a description of all the work that we do. And so if a fan is interested in looking at the education program or the financial guidance program or the professional development program or any of the housing stuff that we do, we're always looking for fans to, to chip in and help out. 
And there's also, you know, volunteer work that fans can do. If we have a fan that's a that's interested in helping out on the professional development program or something like that, there are volunteer opportunities as well um, for those that are interested. So, yeah, I mean, we're grateful for every little bit of support that we can get from the community. And frankly, it's an incredibly powerful thing when major league players, fans, uh, you know, the, the sort of coalition of people around the game come together and get behind a cause. The power is incredible there. Has more happened with more than baseball than you would have thought to this point? Has it grown faster than you could have imagined? About a thousand times faster than I could have imagined. It was one of those things where we were in the right place at the right time where for the sort of outpouring of support that we saw from players and fans. But frankly, in no world did I ever expect us to be able to help as many people as we've been able to do in such a short period of time. And I think as we grow as an organization, as we develop, we become sort of that stable force minor league players that has never existed for players. That was sort of a pipe dream for us about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Keep up the good work on and off the field. We wish you a lot of luck on the mound as well. Simon, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. That's Simon Rosenblum Larson coming up. Marissa Kiermeyer and what being a mom means to her in a Mother's Day chat with Giovanna Rodriguez of Baseball Operations. This is This Week in Race Baseball and the Race Baseball Network. Well, we continue on This Week in Race Baseball on Mother's Day, and we welcome a mom to the program, and that's Marissa Kiermeyer. Marissa, happy Mother's Day. Tell me what uh, Mother's Day means to you. Thank you. Good to be here. Mother's Day to me has a whole new meaning, meaning as of the last two years, basically just loving on my little ones and seeing the joy that they bring me and kind of gives you a whole new respect also for my mom and everything that she's done and all the sacrifices that she made for me growing up now having my own two, you just kind of realize how big that is and how much she really did for me growing up. So it's a whole new meaning now having two little ones of my own. Yours are are very young right now, but do you remember Mother's Day as a kid and maybe either making something your mom put on the fridge or any, any special gifts that you made for your mom as a kid growing up? Yes. I remember obviously in class, they always did you know, the special Mother's Day cards that they would make and we'd bring home to our mom. But my dad always made it a priority for me and my brother and my sister to make it a super special day for my mom. So even when we were younger, I remember him, you know, taking us to get something or making sure that we always had a card for her, or even if it was just helping bring her food or breakfast or flowers or whatever it was to just always appreciate that day specifically, because it's obviously honoring her and everything that she did for the three of us as we were kids. So hoping that my two boys will do the same as well one day. Uh, No doubt. Do you see yourself uh, or your mom and yourself now as a young mom? Yes, definitely. I feel like a lot of things that I do with my two boys, I remember very vividly my mom doing with me and my siblings. And it's just kind of crazy how it's just come full circle, seeing how with my two boys, that's just now my priority is doing everything I can for them. And my mom was the exact same with us. I mean, she volunteered. She was always in our classroom. She came and ate lunch with us. So I feel like that's exactly the type of mom that I will be and want to be. So I'm super excited. I love them being little, but I'm super excited to be involved and do those kinds of things as well. I definitely get that. What are the greatest challenges of being a relatively new mom, especially in the midst of a pandemic? Kind of different. Um, With the pandemic, obviously, it was a hard year for a lot of people. I think for our family, we just chose to, thankfully, all of us were healthy throughout the whole thing, but I think we just chose to make it as much family time as we could. And we got to spend time together that maybe we wouldn't have been able to during a normal year with baseball season, regular 
with their regular schedule. So I think we took full advantage of that. And then just being a mom to two littles, just kind of balancing, especially with our new one, it's now just balancing the two of them and trying to just keep them alive and well and healthy and <laughs> just trying to keep sane. But it is it is a lot of fun. And having two boys, I feel like is going to be a blast. I mean, obviously, Carter's two now. So he is wild and fun. So it's been good, though. Obviously, uh, crew is very, very young. But do you see a little bit of yourself in Carter? And how much of yourself and how much of, of Kevin do you see in him? Uh, I would like to say I see a lot of myself in Carter. But I'm gonna have to say he is now a spitting image of his dad. And thankfully, I think he's his dad is handsome. So I'll take it. But <laughs> He is definitely his dad through and through, Carter specifically, just seeing the little person that he's becoming. He is just nonstop. And that is exactly how Kevin is to this day. And his mom has told me the exact same things that Kevin did when he was little is exactly what Carter does now. Just nonstop all the time. So fun, but definitely, definitely can be a handful. And then crew, he's just a sweet little cherub right now. He's still so little, just sleeps and eats and just the cutest little thing. So. It'll definitely be cute to see what crew turns into as well. Now, you touched earlier on your mom and how devoted uh, she was to you and your brother and sister. Kevin had told us this story about how you took yourself over to the hospital when crew was <laughs> born. Was that a little bit of your mom too? Yeah, that was not smart on my end. But yes, <laughs> I think definitely I was just being stubborn. And I, my mom 100% offered to take me. I was actually at their house. And my mom offered to take me to the hospital, of course. And I was just like, no, mom, you have to stay with Carter. And I want you to be rested. You can't go into the hospital anyways with the protocols. And so I drove over to Tampa, not the smartest, but yeah, I would say just kind of survival mode. And I feel like my mom would do the exact same thing if it came down to it. Tell me, um, with this being now, I wouldn't say a normal baseball season, but a norm more normal baseball season, how it's gone here the first couple road trips with two young kids. You're you're having to play zone defense. Yeah, you are not kidding. It is definitely, definitely an adjustment. When we had Carter, it was in the off season of 2018. So Kevin was full on dad mode. He wasn't obviously in season. He was home and was a huge help. So with this baby specifically, obviously we had him right before opening day. So it presented a little bit more of a challenge and it's been different trying to just balance the two by myself for the most part. But thankfully I'm from this area. So I have a lot of helping hands who have been above and beyond, including my mom. Speaking of Mother's Day, she has just done the absolute most and has helped me with the boys and gets up with Carter and I can get up with the baby. And it's just been great while Kevin's on the road to have a set of hands because it is tough. I'm not going to lie. It has been an adjustment, but it's been great. And I don't think I could physically do it right now with Kevin being gone if I didn't have my family helping. So I'm super, super grateful for my mom specifically on this special day. So so with Mother's Day, while the team is out on the West Coast and coming back after today's game, is Mother's Day in essence celebrated twice, once with your family and then once with Kevin when he's back? Or how does that work? Yeah, I think that's actually the plan. I'll be with my family on Mother's Day and we'll get to do everything with my mom. So that'll be super special. And then obviously they like to celebrate me as well since I'm a new mom. It'll be fun being able to be with them. And then the next day is an off day. So hoping that we'll get to 
spend some time together, maybe go on a nice outdoor date or something. I don't know. We'll see, but that's the plan. So hopefully, hopefully my parents will be able to babysit on the off day so that we can have a little time to celebrate Mother's Day. <laughs> with all the, the protocols, do you get to spend much time with some of the other raised wives during this during this early part of the season? What that's What is that like? Because obviously in a normal year, it would be very different. Yes, definitely different. This year is actually gone I don't know if it's because, you know, vaccinations are available and protocols aren't as strict as what they were last season, obviously in the playoff bubble. So it has been nice being able to see the girls. They have us all in a suite together. So at the games, we're all together the whole time. We don't have to like distance or anything. So it's definitely been, it's honestly a blessing being able to see the girls considering last season none of us saw each other unless we did the playoff bubble. And that was only for a month towards the end of the year. So honestly, we're all just so thankful to see each other and to be able to hang out every now and again, and, and it be more allowed than it was last season. Cause last season was just so different. Yeah. I would imagine emotionally, it's gotta be a, a lot easier to have that support system around you while the guys are on the road now. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think even I went to the game the other night and I took the two little, my two little boys for the first time I walked in immediately, the girls grabbed the baby, they were taking Carter. So it's, it was a nice little change of scenery and it was a huge help just like having my arms free just for the game because they just wanted to pass the new baby around and see Carter. So the girls are awesome. It's, it's a lot of the same girls from last season and it's a lot of the same girls that have been here for a few years now. So it's been great just having them and the support when the guys are on the road as well. I would think that most fans don't realize that, that, you know, with the change in the roster, the more guys stay around, the better it is for, for someone like yourself who has been here for several years and is, and is obviously from the area too. Yes, absolutely. It's definitely, obviously can't speak to how other teams run, but for this team specifically, it is unfortunate when you get that call that your friend has been traded or that they've been let go or whatever it may be. And it just seems like there's such a fast turnaround a lot of times for this organization. It's definitely been nice having a lot of the same group of girls, you know, throughout the last couple seasons, at least. And it is great getting to know them and they really do become like a second family. Well, Marissa, here's to enjoying your fir- your Mother's Day for the first time as a mother of two with your family, and uh, hopefully a great day on Monday with Kevin as well. Thanks for joining us on this week in race baseball. Of course, thank you. That's Marissa Kiermaier, and we hope it's a happy Mother's Day for her today. Joining us now, a mom and grandmother from Race Baseball Operations. She's been with the organization since 2005, Senior Administrator of International and Minor League Operations, Giovanna Rodriguez. Giovanna, happy Mother's Day. How are you? Thank you, Neil. I'm good. Tell me what Mother's Day means to you. Mother's Day um, to me means a celebration honoring your mom, all motherhood, also mothers who have been mentors in the society. You're a mom, you're a grandma. Tell me what's most gratifying to you about being uh, in those roles. Being a mother is the most amazing thing you can have in in life. Um, I love my children. It's the greatest joy. Uh, what the the way they are with you, the love that they show you, it's just amazing. I offer to them my unconditional love and eternal love because to me, love is kind and patient. So to me, it's gratifying to see um, their growth. Um, and then, you know, then in life comes all the blessings with the grandchildren. I have a total of five. Mm. You know, sometimes they say that if you could have 
grandchildren, you know, if you could have, you would have your grandchildren first because they're amazing. The love is, it's, it's amazing. It's a true blessing. Are there things that stand out on Mother's Day? I mean, obviously, you know, you, you think of every day, so to speak, you, you want it to be Mother's Day, but things that your, your kids, your grandkids have done for you that, that stand out that, you know, whether it's, you know, something you're, you're keep on the fridge or, or whatever it may be. Yes, that is, it's just great when they draw pictures for you or they let you know how much they care for you and, and, you know, they do all these crafts and, and stuff to show the love that they have for you. And it's just the greatest feeling because those are great memories, you know, and also treasures. And it's, it's, it's like an example, my mom, when I used to do that to me, it was amazing. And when it was mother's days, I wanted to do everything for her and spoil her because the love that she always showed all of us, it's amazing. And to know that, you know, now my mom has dementia. Mm. So to find all those beautiful memories that you did um, for your mom, it's um, it's treasures now that I can, you know, that all she kept it all these years, all these beautiful treasures that we did for her. And it's just very uh, gratifying to, to know. And the same thing with me is just I have, and then you go back many years when they were little kids and you go back and um, you see this and it's just awesome, you know, and and they write things like, uh, you know, my mom's favorite food is, you know, mm. Italian food or, um, you know, my mom, I love when my mom plays with me or her favorite color. I mean, just little things, they get to know you and, and, and they, they make, they pay attention to those things to, you know, that, what, that your likes, what you like or what, like, what you like to do. And it's just, it's awesome to see that. And those, like I said, those memories and th- those your treasures. And that's something that's, to me, it's, the most amazing thing ever. I love being a mom. I love being a grandparent. And I would think that during these holidays, it's especially important to to mark that, to celebrate it because the pandemic has been so difficult for everyone in so many different ways. It is. It's really hard, um, especially in the pandemic, to be able to see my mom and because my mom is in assistant living. So it's been really hard, you know, and to you know, even though when you do a video chat, you know, it's not the same. She doesn't, she, Neil, she doesn't even know who I am, but I know that when I see her, you could tell just by looking, when she looks at me, I know she knows who I am, Mm. you know? So it's, that's my mom, you know, and I love her very, very much. And she's, she is who I am today. You know, she taught me so much. She's always taught me to treat others how you want to be treated. And she's always, um, been a strong woman, an amazing mother, amazing wife. And it's funny because, you know, sometimes I do things now, even like if I laugh or something, it just reminds me of my mom. You know, you do things and you don't realize how much you pick up. So it's very important, you know, to always be very patient, very loving, you know, don't judge because it can carry it a long way for your children or grandchildren. Even though I can't see um, my grandchildren every day, they know I love them. Um, I love them very much. They love me. They come in, they call me and nah, nah, they can't wait to see you and stuff like that. So it, it has been very hard, but you always have to be positive, always have good communication and show the love for one another, the support that you always have to give. Let them know that you are there, even though we don't see each other every day. You talk about all that nurturing. I think you have almost a motherly relationship with a lot of folks in the race for an office. What has baseball operations meant to you? And can you kind of relay how you got started in all this? 
well, this is my race family. Everyone there, yeah, like you said, yes, I feel like I'm like the mama G in the office. And I do, you know, the nurturing or the listening, you know, I listen and everything because how I see it, I want you to always be in the light, not in the dark. So if, if you have any questions or anything, it's just, you know, they've been really great to me. And um, the communication is key. It's like with all my players, I have like 266 players now. And for my players, either, you know, I see them, you know, growing up or even coming from the international so young and I see them grow and mature and become a grown man and stuff like that. So I want them to always, you know, like I would treat my, like my mom always said, and I, I'd say the same, always treat others how you always want to be treated. You know, and the Gray's family has always been good to me. Um, they've been easy to, uh, you know, to work with. They're very understanding. And I've always been, like you say, the nurturing. And, you know, I'm always here for them. And the same way they've always been here for me as, as you know, as well. I love my job. I love what I do. You know, the Rays, you know, like I said, they they mean a lot to me, you know, and um, it's just been a great experience to be with the Rays family. So how did you get started in baseball? I Well, I was referenced, um, I guess when they were looking, I was referenced, you know, I came from the, you know, medical background. I got a phone call and I just, you know, went into for an interview and I just, you know, when they talked to me and everything, you know, I, it was a great opportunity. You know, when I know because I deal with patients again and then, you know, that to me means the world to me. You know, you treat, you know, everybody with kindness. Um, you need to listen um, to people and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just felt it felt right. It just felt right to come in with the race family. And I'm glad I made that decision, you know, with the race. But that's how I started. I worked right, you know, in the medical field. And I got a phone call and got interviewed and I had, I got a great opportunity and I have, you know, with Mitch Lukovic, the greatest boss ever, you know, and um, that's how I came, you know, to the race family. And I'm, what are your favorite memories working here? Greatest memories. Hey, you know, two great championships. Um, just, you know, the people that I worked with, it was just like a family. It's, you know, and till this day, Neil, I could say going to work, it was always a good day. I woke up happy. I always wanted to go to work. It's just the the environment, how people are and everything. And it's just, it, it's great. I just enjoy it and I'm ready for more. Well, let's hope that real soon uh, we're able to all work together in person again. Um, I hope you enjoy a tremendous Mother's Day and so appreciative of your time on this week in race baseball. I appreciate it, Neil. That's Giovanna Rodriguez of Baseball Operations. Thanks to Giovanna and all our guests on the show today. Thanks to my producer, Derek Dubose, as well. I'm Neil Solon saying happy Mother's Day. Stay tuned. It's the Rays and A's, the pregame show next on the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. With first and second, the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.